Hello and welcome to the Lewis and Kyle show where we invite interesting people on to uh, extract the tips and tricks that they have uh, collected over the course of their lives uh, in order to get to where they are today. Lewis, who, who are we having on today? Hey Kyle, today we have my friend Adam Wozniak. Uh, Adam and I met in high school through a couple mutual friends and hung out at various social occasions. Always had a good conversation. I know I could go to Adam for more interesting conversation than the rest of the party tended to provide. Uh, Adam's been a professional engineer since he was 17 years old. He taught himself coding at a very young age and is overall a very accomplished uh, man for how early on in life he is. And I just wanted to get him on the show to learn a little bit more about how he did all of these things, his philosophy towards life, why he does these things, and learn a little bit more about him. So Adam, welcome to the show. Hi guys, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Uh, so the first type of questions we like to ask is just basic biographical information. Obviously you're from Vegas, but how did you first become interested in programming? Uh, yeah, well... Um, and when? I, so I started out uh, very, very young. I went to school in Las Vegas, you know, I went to Bob Miller Middle School, um, and... I, we were in this computers class where we were just learning how to type um, and I already knew how to type on a keyboard and I was extremely bored and from a young age I just found myself um, trying to fill the time. So what I did in middle school was I gave myself uh, network administrator privileges um, which allowed me to change all sorts of settings on the like entire school's computer network and all this stuff. Uh, they tried to suspend me but I knew the IT guy. Um, and then I did a bunch of stuff at the library like that, you know, got in trouble, all sorts of trouble, but it was pretty cool. It's kind of fun. Um, and from there, I kind of decided that this was something I understood natively and it was something I wanted to use to create different things. So pretty cool. That's a big jump from knowing how to type to being able to give yourself network administrator privileges. Yes. Where's the learning how to do stuff come into play between knowing how to use a keyboard and actually knowing how to do things you're not supposed to be able to do. <laughs> well, a lot of it was Google, to be honest. Um, I, I was taught like really early on to learn, um, stuff by myself. You know, my, my parents very, were very focused on that. My mother was a teacher. My uncle was a principal. Um, and my father was a carpenter. So my dad was always teaching me how to learn to make stuff. And my mother was always teaching me to figure out how to learn better ways. When I discovered that you could learn stuff by just looking it up on Google, um, you know, when I was in middle school, I was just wondering, um, like, how the computer actually ticked, what, what the origin of it, like, what, what is the story? Because there, there was this black box that they didn't want to explain to us, and I just wanted to naturally figure stuff out about it. So um, I looked up, you know, what what was code, understanding just the concept of what programming was, mm -hmm. how to create things from what seemed like nothing, you know? Um, and so after that, I got into batch scripts, which is a very like, you, you guys know, I'm sure it's a very like low level way of interacting with your computer through a command mm -hmm. line. Kyle's um, not technical. Kyle's yeah, not yeah, very, I, I not, really not, Kyle's know. not a programmer. Oh, got it. Got so, it. Got uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> All good. Um, but good. I'm here to learn. Good though. context. Well, we're yeah, gonna learn so, for sure. So uh, Batch is a language in uh, a Microsoft Windows computer, and it allows you to interact with the command prompt. And the command prompt is uh, the basic way of how we originally interacted with computers. We just typed in commands to copy files, to edit different files and stuff like that. And that was the most basic form of computing. 
-hmm. uh, well, not the most basic, but mm -hmm. the most basic form of modern personal computing. Mm -hmm. um, and so with the command prompt as a tool, you can do a lot of different things. And one of the things that I wanted to do was give myself administrator privileges. So um, all I had to do simply was open up this command file or uh, this command prompt and type in a couple commands and then give myself that access. It's pretty yeah. fun. That's it's really fun. awesome. Uh, that's actually a common theme that I've, I've seen through a lot of the programmers that I've known is, um, you know, the good ones just say, I mean, you just keep Googling until it works. And yeah, it's really funny that you say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's whole communities just based off of that called, uh, have you guys heard of stack overflow? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've heard of it. Mm -hmm. It's literally just other programmers not knowing what to do and people mm -hmm. just helping out. And half of my answers at work come from that site, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my buddy built a command line tool called AutoStack that uh, you open two terminal windows and the one on the left reads the one on the right. And if you get error messages, it just automatically pings Stack Overflow and returns the top results like in the terminal window. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really how cool, much actually. Yeah, because of how much you use the Stack Overflow. Yeah, I uh, bet. Only supports Python right now, but it's just a side project. <laughs> so that's pretty, nice. pretty important for programmers. But I, uh, my next question here is, you have the spirit your dad talked about of making things, mm -hmm. uh, and you kind of express that same interest and passion. So what's one of the first things you made with programming that you're proud of? Like one of the early projects oh, they really man. felt like was a substantial achievement. There, There's a lot of like different things I messed with and stuff. Um, one of my earliest projects that, um, you know, I, I kind of hold in like, I actually took an engineering hand to it was a, um, an assistant, like a virtual assistant that I named Stacy. And uh, at the time I was doing like social media stuff and trying to help out uh, different companies growing their brands. And I was doing a lot of stuff that I felt like could be automated. So um, I think when I was like probably like 15 years old, um, I built Stacy and essentially she was this uh, voice robot with just like Siri or Google or anything mm -hmm. else like that, that plugged into these Twitter accounts that I managed. And she ran over an algorithm that I wrote that would follow and like different accounts um, and essentially automate getting followers for different companies. Um, cause I, you know, I was just kind of tired of doing mindless work in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I would just go, Stacy, go follow people. And then she would just go and do that, which is really, was cool. that the actual command? Yeah. Stacy, go follow people. Mm -hmm. okay. so like, now you can't still go ahead. Kyle. You built a Twitter bot, right? Before it was, yeah, before it was cool, bot. basically. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty I, much. You can't do that strategy anymore. Right. Cause, or they limit you to like a hundred people you can follow in a day. Right. There, yeah. There's a lot of different, um, like, I mean, I guess you can creative workaround still is what programmers always come up with yeah but. Uh, there there's whole sorts of uh, new engines and stuff i know for instagram they they like had to rip out this part of the api and so uh and what's an api for uh, sorry an api is an application program interface it allows you essentially to use commands in code to interact with someone else's products like instagram yeah. or twitter mm -hmm. um, yeah so, so you're, yeah because when you're automating something you're not just writing a program that clicks the mouse and all the right passions you're yeah. using the commands kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. The API. You, you yeah, can't yeah. see it. There's no graphical interface there. Mm -hmm. Um, but so when Instagram ripped out its API, 
it told developers, it was like, I don't want you guys to be able to interact or follow people on a, such a high scale because people were writing Instagram bots, you know, and that, that's mm -hmm. not quality. So uh, there is a repository that is literally just dedicated. Um, just for context, a repository is a bunch of code that mm -hmm. a bunch of different people work on together. Um, and it's, it's completely dedicated to reverse engineering the Instagram API and getting around the rules that are there and it just sends these endpoints and stuff it's really cool the way they're doing it but instagram hates it i gotta say i'm sure is that like on github it's, or something like that yeah it's it's completely open source on github um mm. i think it's might be deprecated now but i used to use it all the time for different like python bots that i would write and stuff so you, so you moved from social media and when you were 15 and then what was your next project after trying to grow accounts and stuff like that uh well so at around that time I was, you know, working on different like little side projects and stuff. And then I got hired by a company called snag, which was a very okay. small startup. Um, and how I, did they find you? What? How did they find you? Or did you apply to them? Actually? Um, so the way that happened was my brother and his fiance were out at this business uh, meeting with a bunch of, you know, different people convention and they were talking to this one woman um about me and saying you know i'm i was pretty good at growing brands and doing stuff like that at the time so um then they called me and wanted to set up an interview um i went into the interview and i showed them what their guy at the time was doing and i told them to fire him on the spot and they did <laughs> this is while you're 16 years old yeah yeah and yeah. um what what had happened there is he was also using those like twitter bots and stuff they weren't efficient. Um, he accidentally was retweeting on their company page pornographic material. Oh, because his algorithms weren't very tight in terms of like they're just letting things through the cracks. Yeah, exactly. So he was just retweeting whatever with, you know, whatever hashtags and they fired him, you know, because th this person just didn't know what they were doing. So I got on that team and um, from there I started building out um, a very basic iOS application never got published, but it, you know, it was still a fun little project. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I worked there for a while. Then the company dried up because they couldn't get any users and yeah. And then I went on my way, which is pretty cool. So at this point you're about 17 years old. Yeah. Or... Yeah. At the, around the end of that, um, I turned 17 and I was really, really desperate for a job. Um, I, applied to a bunch of places and I applied to like Starbucks because, you know, I grew up in a modest family. Um, mm -hmm. I had to support myself quite a bit and I still do. And, you know, I was 17 and I applied to Starbucks and I got an interview and uh, the manager was talking to me and she, she looks at me and said, you're more qualified than I am for my position. And I was like, then hire me. And I never heard from <laughs> her again. <laughs> Cause she, you know, she didn't want me to take her position. That was, that was, <laughs> she didn't want you to take over, uh, replace her. Yeah. It really, it really pissed me off. And so, um, a couple nights after that, I applied to a bunch of software jobs that I knew that I was not, um, I didn't fill out the, the mm -hmm. right, um, uh, you know, check boxes or anything for the jobs. And then I landed at cascade and that was also a very difficult interview. Um, was that a technical interview? Yeah. So, so at Cascade, essentially, um, I worked for a guy named John Banforth 
that I, you know, I still do some stuff with now. And he was the CTO over there. Um, and he gave me a call and I, he said, why should I hire you? You have no professional experience other yeah. than you don't even have a high school diploma no, at this point. Or... Yeah. I, I didn't have a high school diploma or anything. And he goes, why should I even hire you? You're not out of high school yet. Um, you don't even have any certifications. And I just told him, give me a month and I'll be better than your lead developer. <laughs> That's pretty bold. That's a lot of <laughs> and he gave me a month and I was a senior engineer by then. Wow. Yeah. So I worked. And what did that company do? Um, so uh, we, yeah. we did a lot. Um, they're a financial technology company. So um, what they did was they built a product that was a white label product for other companies. You could buy, if you were a company, you could pay Cascade to run this site for you and people would sign up to get a debit card with your brand on it. So uh, we had people, we were working with people like George Foreman. Um, we were working with people who were the subsidiaries of Fitbit, uh, which is now I believe owned by Google, I think. Um, I have to look into that, but it, it was pretty cool. The stuff we were building, it was fully, um, we had a lot of rules to make. We we're fully PCI compliant. We were, you know, transacting um, with hundreds of people at a time. It, it was pretty crazy the stuff that was going on. Yeah. So yeah, I have two questions here. Yeah. First one's a kind of procedural question. Were you doing, you're in high school. Are you doing this after school? Are you doing this remote? Are you commuting? Well, uh, are you doing it part-time or, or is this during the summer or? Uh, this was a full-time job that I commuted to. Um, so when I went to high school, I went to a, a pre-college program. Mm -hmm. um, oh, so is this, this was when you were in Nevada State. At this yeah, point. this was when I, I went to Nevada State High School. And so what I did was I had uh, just college classes and I would go in between those college classes. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, I would, I would go in between lectures. Just trying to figure out the logistics. Of... I'd work overtime, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so let's go back on that one month for, you know, he says, you're not even qualified to have this job. You have no certifications, no paper mm -hmm. attached to your name at all. And you said, give me a month and I'll be better, which I think is an awesome strategy if you're confident in your abilities. Yeah. Uh, but how did you, in that one month, spend your time and energy to just rapidly learn to be, reach like, that standard of performance. Yeah, I mean, where did your confidence come from? Like, And, and what was your yeah. strategy? Well, um, to answer the confidence, a lot of that came out of just, uh, I grew up with the idea that anybody can learn how to do anything if they really spend the time. Um, the, the concept of learning how to learn is so real and it is so important to doing anything you apply yourself to, uh, code or art or anything. Um, because if you think that you don't uh, have the ability to do that thing, you're just going to choose to fail. Uh, I hear people say all the time, um, I can't learn code. I don't have the right brain for it. Or what more common is I, I, I'm bad at math. You know, mm -hmm. you guys, you guys all, that's the classic one. Everybody knows somebody who thinks they're just naturally bad at math. And I've, I've always told that person, you're not bad at math. You just believe you are. Well, you're bad at learning math yeah. right now. Yeah, and, and that's totally okay. The, the idea is to always know that you can have that progress, that you can start learning somewhere. And the, the system has to start with asking questions and having no pride, no, just knowing nothing. Assume that you always know nothing. That way, you can always be the smartest person in the room because you can just keep learning, continue learning. And um, 
I remember sitting next to uh, this one guy. I can't remember his name at Cascade, but I, I was just an intern. I was hired two days ago, and I was just trying to run the program. And it took me two days to figure it out because, you know, there were so many different problems with it, and I just kept asking questions. Mm-hmm. And over time, I started learning how to code in very small bits and what the process was because you, you just got to be a sponge just know nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And once you start to, you know, uh, understand more complex ideas about it, that's when you start to have these conversations with other developers, people working alongside you. Really challenge yourself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so were you doing additional self-education outside of work? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, to yeah. keep up with that? Oh, of course. Or like, on-topic self-education? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was... Like, what specifically did you have to learn in that period of time? So, and like, how do you assess yourself in terms of programming ability at the beginning of that time mm-hmm. versus by the time you kind of graduated from that position? Well, at the beginning of it, I knew like uh, Python, C++, mm-hmm. and I knew languages, but I didn't know frameworks. So when you say frameworks, you mean like, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So a, a framework um, in web development specifically is something that allows a bunch of different uh, languages to work together mm-hmm. to create one thing like a web so like Django yeah. or yeah, Flask exactly. or node. Yeah. Um, okay. C sharp uses .NET, stuff .NET, like that. Yeah. Um, and when I worked at cascade, we were all working in .NET, and I didn't know C sharp so well. So okay. a lot of times at home, I would go home and try and write uh, small C sharp projects in .NET, build my own website. So I understood what the directory was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of just how it all connected because nobody was explaining that to me because, you know, they're, they're all doing their own shit. It was a startup. Uh, we were all on a very tight deadline and here I am the intern walking in, you know, just pretending like I'm somebody important when I know I'm not and just saying, look, I know I can do better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over time it's just, it's looking up how to, how to interact with these frameworks, how to, um, read the documentation yeah exactly there was no documentation (laughs) that's the thing that sucks nobody writes docs which is why i write docs all the time you know i mean that's a really crazy story to to walk into an office and then one month later or or walk into an office without a high school diploma among people Mm -hmm. that are all software engineers and then um, a month later, do what you said you're going to do and be the top doc. Like, yeah, because yeah, presumably these people had either a computer science degree or IT certifications or some co- or math degrees or some combination thereof. Yeah, a lot of them worked at like Microsoft. Um, a lot of them worked at different places. Um, you know, and I I ended up getting that to that senior level pretty quick, which was really nice. Um, and it was just the first of all, it was the fact that I didn't want to work at a Starbucks, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've never, I, I never want to spend my time doing something where I'm not learning something that I can apply later and use. Right. So at Cascade, I was like, this is an opportunity, not just for the money or, uh, you know, for the glory of the position or whatever, it was the opportunity to learn and grow, which, you know, that was my main goal. It was nice. So how you finish up at that first position and how do you transition out of that into the next job? And is that your current job Yeah. or yeah. a couple? And okay. Um, so, so how long did you stay with them? So you, you stay with them throughout high school to finish out high school or kind of yeah, what's the, the next I, piece here? So I was with them for about a year and a half. 
Um, and when I moved up to Reno, they allowed me to keep my position there because I played an integral role in, you know, supporting all of their, you know, their apps and keeping up um, everything on the web servers and stuff like that. And eventually I felt like I grew very stagnant at Cascade. Um, I was a lot more of a project manager at the time. Um, I had a team of people I was working with to, you know, support the current app. And I was just really bored with what we were building. You know, I, I mm -hmm. stopped being excited about it. So um, I went to a this one um, little job tech startup convention in Reno. And it, it was very small. There were just a few companies. And I didn't really talk to a lot of them, but I did talk to uh, what was then Condado. Now it's called Lavelle. Um, but I talked to the two guys there, Ryan and Brian, who I now work with. Um, and they explained what it was to me. And I was like, do you guys have anything? Do you have a product? And they said, no. And I just said, well, I know I can build it for you. Email me if you want my resume. Mm. So he wrote down my email and then he shot me one. Um, and yeah, I, I've been so working. What was that original time. pitch? What did they say that it mm -hmm. was? So um, it, the the original pitch is still what it is. Lavelle mm -hmm. is okay. um, an online e-commerce marketplace for mm -hmm. um, it, it's the cheapest e-commerce marketplace there is. Uh, it's cheaper than Shopify. It's cheaper than Etsy, yeah. eBay, Amazon. Uh, That's going to be our the obvious question is like what's the differentiating factor between the names that everyone's already heard of? Oh yeah, um, but one of the main things about Lavelle that's so different is. Um, you have the ability first, first of all, it's free for a lifetime. So you just mm -hmm. sign up and you can start selling for free. Cause then, cause you take credit card transactions a percentage of that. Yeah. To we, finance yeah. That. We literally, we, and we take a very, very small mm -hmm. amount. I just think, enough to pay for hosting costs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's literally, we just have take the smallest amount that we possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, we deal with shipping so you can connect your shipping account. Um, we also have, we're completely tax compliant which a lot of online stores aren't yet, including mm -hmm. Wix. Um, and that's becoming a huge issue is a lot of small businesses are being sued um, and they're breaking the law because they're not tax compliant with the new laws coming out. That tax uh, law is like, is I'm an accounting major and that's, yeah. that's like on a state by state basis, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where you sell to, it has to be compliant, tax compliant with that specific state. So that's actually yes. a really hard like system to build out. Yeah. Well, we partnered with a company called Avalara. Mm -hmm. um, they're a great company. I know a lot of the people that work there, um, you know, because they helped us with the integration and everything. And we send them our transactional data and they record everything for us. Oh, interesting. So okay. yeah, we, we post all of our tax information there. And as the tax laws change, they update their process and what we have okay. to collect for taxes, which mm -hmm. is really cool. That's nice that y'all don't have to keep up with that. You can just pay whatever reasonable fee and have yeah. someone take that yeah, headache off of your shoulders. It's super nice. I mean, it's not, it's not cheap. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But, sure. <laughs> but it's really nice. Uh, Cheaper than a lawsuit. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And it, not just that. Um, we also file taxes on behalf of our customers. Mm, so okay. if you have an online business on our platform, we file for you. Interesting. So it, it's That's really interesting. Yeah, it's really nice uh, just because it all comes together to our business because we are the marketplace facilitator. So that is. if I 
um, have an inventory of snowboards, let's say, yeah. I can start a Lavelle store and start selling snowboards just like I can on, on Shopify or- You have a, or... You have a site builder and no, all it, that. Well, it's not a site builder. So what you do is you get a custom URL like on Instagram or whatever, and you mm -hmm. go to lavellestores.com slash snowboards, whatever you want. Okay. There oh. you have it. Yeah. So it's closer to a- eBay. eBay, Etsy, yeah, than exactly. a Shopify. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so you can literally just, you can open multiple stores and list mm -hmm. your inventory in different stores. So if you want to open a store for snowboards and then a separate one for skateboards, you can put them in separate stores. Um, but I think the coolest feature about the platform is yeah, if, you don't, if you don't have any inventory, but you have a large social media following or you're a streamer or something, what you can do is you can open a store completely for free and add other people's items to your stores. And, and you earn commission based off of the mm -hmm. sale. Mm -hmm. Okay, so does the overall site have a search that can search all, like just the general catalog of everything listed through that as well? Yeah, yeah, you can okay. um, you can just search all the items or all the stores. Um, it's pretty, it's super easy to use. That sounds like a better way to get more traffic than trying to set up your own unique Shopify store or something. Where, exactly. Because if, you, it's, if it's just me, Lewis Shulman Shopify store, people have to, if I want people to find me, they have to find my site on Google and then look through my inventory. Whereas there's yeah. a lot more potential, like I don't want to use the like backlinks, that's probably the wrong term, but there's a lot more potential ways to end up at my store mm -hmm. or at least end up on one of my products if they start out in the overall structure. Yeah, we're a full marketplace. And if someone finds your items and you didn't put them in your store, you still get all the money, you know? Mm -hmm. It all goes straight back to you. The store is just a connection to your items that you can send to people. So, so yeah. So how big is Lavelle stores at this point? So right now we're still growing in users. Mm -hmm. um, we're being used by a salon down in Las Vegas right now. Um, but the the biggest issue with getting a sort of a new user base on a new product like this is they're so used to Shopify. They're mm -hmm. so used to eBay or Amazon. And that's why we've made it such a simple choice and we've made it cheaper than every other platform there is. We've made it completely free and super easy to use. So what's next is really a big marketing push. Okay, so if you finished the development and I guess let's just focus on the development for it for a second. So you kind of these two guys mm -hmm. that just have a pitch yeah. and you're like, I'll, I'll be your tech lead. I'll make this project for you. Yeah. That was uh, in your first year of college, college, not like dual enrollment, high school, college. Yeah. Uh, you've been building that project yourself with a team. It's finished. It's not finished. Kind of oh. work us through going from meeting two guys with a pitch to you're ready to roll it out and start the big marketing push and try to onboard as many people as you can. Yeah. Well, um, it, it does take a long time. It took us about a year to get to the point where we want to show potential investors and actually get users on the platform rather than it just being a concept, right? And that, that's with a lot of different things, especially something as complex and careful as an e-commerce market because we don't want to break any laws. Uh, we want to help our users as much as possible because it's a very complex thing to sell things online. It's much uh, more complex than, you know, like posting on Snapchat or something like that. Mm -hmm. So... The, the process comes down to breaking everything into pieces, which is the fundamental process of you know software development. Um, it comes to having one guy who says, okay, this is the user interface I wanna do. You know, and having another guy who can test everything, make sure that it's in accordance with the user interface. And then having me who says, this is what the logic should be in the backend. Mm -hmm. 
right? So, you know, business logic and stuff like that and how the data actually connects to each other. Um, those are the big decisions that I had to make um, over the time. Uh, so did you have a team you were working with and you're just kind of the project manager and also the backend engineer for that team? So or was it, it, were you like wearing all the hats? It's kind of, it's in the middle there. So I, I am the CTO at the company. Um, the CEO does make the UI design decisions because you know he wants it exactly the way he wants it. And the COO does a lot of the testing. So I did build out the front end and the back end and the database um, and pretty much wore a lot of the hats, but mm -hmm. project management came out to be something that we all did together. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't just me building the whole thing. Although I did write a lot of the code, you know what I mean? Which is sure. nice. So is that where you are right now or is there anything kind of else? Oh, uh, well, that's the big focus. So where, how we got from that sort of the process to getting ready to do a marketing push, which is where you're at right about yeah, now. Yeah, which is where we're at right now, uh, was sort of like small focus groups, getting beta users on, asking mm -hmm. what they want, and using it in very small places. So um, we are expecting to have a lot of users very soon, hopefully. Um, the, the goal is just right now uh, to get a focus group, to have them test it out, make any small changes we have to, and then start marketing and testing based off of that. Or is this what you're doing full time now, or because you're not in school anymore? As no, far yeah. as, this, yeah, this is my life, man. Uh, we we also contract for different companies to build software for um, other companies, but my NDA says I can't actually talk about a lot of what I've sure there. understood. So, that's fine. That's that's fine. Yeah. So, are you involved in the in that marketing push at all? Or are you just like in on the meetings? No, I I um, I'm pretty involved in the marketing push because I I did so much social media stuff. Yeah. Um, and I have a Twitter account with like 60,000 followers or something. Um, and, you know, I stream and all this stuff. And it, it's, it's kind of interesting because the, my boss and me have two decades between us. Mm -hmm. um, and that those conversations go from, okay, what do businesses want versus what do people think is cool right now? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I kind of try and stay in the middle of, you know, are things cool? How can we actually understand what the user thinks? So I, I do talk a lot about marketing with my boss. Um, my strength is, you know, obviously technology, mm -hmm. but you know, when it's a, such a small company and we have such a big product and such a great user base that we could really potentially have, um, everybody's got to be involved in everything. And that's just mm -hmm. where we're yeah. going. So it's still just the three of y'all? Yeah, just three of us. Um, we're actually have, we have an application right now for a social media manager, if either of you want to apply. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or anyone listening right mm -hmm. yeah um but eventually we are hoping to get a larger engineering team as the user base grows um, mm -hmm. and then once we get an a series uh, which would be very exciting and very nice um, then we will definitely get a large office space and an engineering team and a cmo and everybody yeah so it's pretty cool you need to hit up yeah, tiktok so with your with your marketing plan I do not have TikTok in my marketing plan. You need to. I'm <laughs> well, telling you. You gotta gotta revise the marketing plan. Oh yeah. Why is uh, that? Huh? It's yeah, Kyle. I want it. It's just because of like the way that people use the app and how um, like any video can get viewed a million times, and all these people are looking for ways to monetize it. So mm -hmm. if if you um, if, if people on TikTok with a hundred thousand followers knew yeah. that. 
um, they could put a link in their bio to a store that they make up of other people's products for free, they would totally do it. That's exactly the market that we're going for. Instagram, Twitter, people like that, you know, TikTok. Influencers. Yeah, well, influencers. I, I, Looking for a way to monetize. The reason that I say TikTok, like, is because Instagram and Twitter and all those things, like, they already have a bunch of ways for their influencers and people to make money. Yeah. But TikTok is just so new that, like, the, the account value um, is not very high and the attention is very cheap. It's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, that's, that's great. You know, um, I'll definitely look into that. The The bigger issue right now, mm -hmm. honestly, is getting uh, businesses with inventory onto the platform because you mm -hmm. have to have that before you have a separate user base of people who are just selling that inventory for commission, right? Yeah. You have to have an inventory yeah. for people to be able to list. Yeah. yeah so exactly. you said you handle the shipping for people. Does that mean like people ship you their products or... You just facilitate like purchasing prepaid shipping labels and then people go to the UPS store themselves. Yeah. So what like, you do, are you all drop shipping or no or flexible? So what what you'll do on the site is if uh, you just all you have to do, you can also do in-store pickup, by the way, that's an option. Um, uh, but you just connect your shipping account through. Mm -hmm. I think it, we support USPS right now, but we're going to branch out into UPS, FedEx and all the different, you know, we're going to do international shipping eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, but you just put in your USPS shipping details right now, your username and password. And when people buy things from you, uh, based off of the dimensions that you entered when you created the item, we generate a label for you. And all you have okay. to do is take the label and the item and give it to the people at USPS. Okay. It just goes off on yeah. its way. It's pretty nice. So you're not, you're not like a drop shipper, but you make it much easier to yeah, like exactly. do all, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I like that. It's pretty cool. uh, well, that's a really cool company and I wish you all the best of success with the pitching round, which is what it kind of sounds like y'all are at the stage of doing is yeah. looking for some funding, looking for some users. So that's yeah. a very exciting time. And it's kind of the gratification you're looking for after a year of keeping your head down and making something. Yeah, so. exactly. Right. That's what we're all striving for. Luckily we're, we're funded uh, to just keep doing what we're doing. Um, but we do want to see a lot of growth very quickly. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. just what we're trying to do. Fantastic. Uh, so I guess some of the questions we have that aren't on a chronological sense are more general or like, who are some of your role models growing up? Like, who did you look to for inspiration on terms of either some people, you know, or didn't know? Yeah. Um, well, uh, well, growing up, I obviously idolized Steve Wozniak. I don't know if you guys know who that is. Your that's, brother? That's back with your name. <laughs> no, the, the co-founder of Apple. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, he He's sort of, you know, I, I understood the marketing part of Steve Jobs' role at Apple, of course. Um, but the idea that engineering was something that um, you could just create things to better humanity for the purpose of it, rather than just the capitalistic interest of making money and stuff like that. That was a huge concept that I really, um, you know, I, I really liked because I, I, sometimes I just want to create things for the sake of creating things, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, just making them cool and available to users, which is exactly what Instagram was, you know, um, what Snapchat definitely was. Cause that was just used in the dorm room and Facebook and all that stuff. Um, and I think that goes definitely into software. Um, and a lot of people say Steve jobs, and I get that, 
I totally understand it. He's a great guy, but you know, Steve Wozniak built the first personal computer um, because he wanted to build it for himself. And I think that's a really cool concept. Yeah. I like that a ton. Yeah. Uh, I remember I saw this on your social media a few years back. You made that little Seinfeld bot for when you walked into your room. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> what was, can you tell us a little about that project? It's not, you know, on the scale of the first home computer ever, but it's kind of an example of just yeah. something you wanted to have because it sounded fun and humorous to you. Yeah. Creating so something you did it. for the sake of creating. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about that till now, actually. <laughs> it's kind of funny, <laughs> um, but I was really bored really 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 bored you said that a couple times so maybe we'll dive into that next yeah (laughs) and um i i essentially what i did was i built a um, a sensor out of a broken web camera um, that i fixed the wiring up to and a raspberry pi using a python script and what the sensor did was um essentially it would take pictures using the webcam and it would compare the pixels between each picture and if the pixel, pixels were different by a specific ratio, then it would complete an action. And so the mm-hmm. action that I wanted to do is when people walked into my room to play the Seinfeld intro, because I thought it was kind of funny. And <laughs> I, I just think it's, it, it was impressive that um, it was possible to, with the worst supplies that you could possibly mm-hmm. have, you know, a $20 Raspberry Pi and a webcam that I found you know, that's like 30 years old or something and just plug it in, write a script for it and have it all work. Um, I thought that was pretty humorous personally. <laughs> that's awesome. It. Yeah. It's fun. So you talk a lot about being bored, uh, and kind of how that's an impetus for, okay, I'm bored. I figured out everything I need to figure out. Let's mm-hmm. find new things to figure out. Yeah. Uh, has that kind of been a theme since like early on in your life? Cause you even brought that up through middle school. Yes. Yeah. That is definitely a theme. Um, I do that now as well, you know? So where, where do you turn if, when that happens and how often would you say you kind of have that? Is that like a daily thing? Like I did my stuff by 2 PM. Now I have eight hours to fill before I go to sleep and I want to do something interesting. Or is it kind of like a cyclical, you know, I spend three, four weeks just hounding out, learning some new topic. Okay. Now I've capped it out. And now I'm kind bored. Of exist- now it's existential. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, it's definitely a daily thing. I think about all the time. <laughs> And it mm-hmm. sucks. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I, I've always had that as long as I could remember just being uninterested with every, when I knew um, a lot about a specific subject. Um, mm-hmm. If I didn't think that I could expand on that, I would switch to something else, you know, which very is very practical in that sense. Yeah. And, and that was part of the reason why I quit school. You know, I, yeah. I felt like I stopped learning and stopped growing. And um, I, I'm just, I'm not interested in things that I can't uh, continually grow with. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, boredom was the reason I left cascade. I was earning good money, but we weren't building anything interesting that I found remotely interesting. Um, And I think it's kind of a funny way to be driven, you know, um, Mm -hmm. just out of the chasing excitement. Yeah. You know, it's just whatever kind of floats my boat at the time. Um, But what, so what keeps you not bored with Lavelle? Um, I think it's, I think it's a new way that people can sell without, um, you know, it's something that isn't mainstream right now that we built that was cheap. Um, a lot of the underlying systems are very complex and very efficient. Um, like our inventory management system is, you know, the first of its kind. And what I got to do at Lavelle is I got to build something 
completely new out of code mm-hmm. that I just birthed from, you know, the first line. And I think t- being able to take um, a concept, turn it into a complete reality, something so complex, and now the ability to get users, not just to make money, but get users so that they can have a betterment of their life. I think that's really interesting. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because there's so many companies. Th- this is what bothers the shit out of me about Let's companies. hear it. I want to hear There's it. so many tech startups and companies that their goal is to sell the company. Mm-hmm. That's built sucks. for an exit. That sucks. I hate it. Yeah. Absolutely. Because if I want to build something, I want to see it grow. I want to engineer it well. I want to care mm-hmm. about it. And I want the people around me to care about it as well. Because if you build something to exit, you, you're just going to build a crap product for another big company. You would not like the gonna... book built to what? sell. I said, you would not like the book built to sell. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it just. It's a very, the incentives are completely like misaligned mm-hmm. when you try to do that. Because it's, if you're, I guess the way to explain that is, it sounds like for the project you're describing that you're working on, the incentives are aligned. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you want this to be a successful product to help other people to facilitate commerce in a better way. Uh, and you want it to do that. So like supporting you is kind of just like a side effect Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And just, just being a part of not only something that I was able to build, but also, you know, being a shareholder in the company, um, some skin in the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's, it's not just that I'm working for a paycheck, you know, I've, I've never really had the inclination to work for a paycheck. Um, I want to be a part of something greater than myself to help other people Mm -hmm. learn um, to create a great team and be just, just build cool shit, you know? Yeah. Nope. Mm. And there's, there's so little people who want to do that anymore, in my opinion. I like that. So, yeah. uh, now actually kind of answered one of the questions I was going to ask, which was what motivates you. But I think that's a great answer that kind of came out. Just trying to be a part of something that allows you and your role in it to, mm-hmm. you know, explore intellectual creativities and intellectual curiosities and, uh, stretch and exercise your builder muscles but also for that to be a part of not just doing that to build something that's not useful to the world but being having that role in a system or organization that also has a better purpose yeah i I like that a lot yeah i i always think that we can change how we interact with each other for the better Mm -hmm. that that's always possible and if we Mm -hmm. stayed stagnant we wouldn't be the human race you know it's Mm -hmm. never happened I think that that answer really plays well into Steve Wozniak being a role model too, because you know he wasn't building that computer to sell the sell Apple, and like evangelize it like Steve Jobs, but um, mm-hmm. you know he was creating. He just wanted a, a good computer. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so I, really I mean, cool. it, it obviously was Jobs that took a product and or took a an invention and turned it into a product. You know, that mm-hmm. that's a whole different conversation. The commercialization. He, yeah. Exactly. Making it. Um, available to the end user which then in turn makes the product more applicable to the invention and that mm-hmm. that's totally viable and that totally makes sense Weird. and that's part that's of the process thing. yeah mm-hmm. um, but just engineering for the sake of engineering is in my opinion the same as um, just writing a poem because you you want mm-hmm. to you want to see the effect of it regardless like, of what other people think of it yeah it's art at mm-hmm. a certain point yeah. It's very, uh, it's a deep intrinsic motivation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, some of these things that you've been talking about are, are very impressive, like learning to, um, you know, taking that month and becoming the best and, and learning all these different things and having the self-confidence to drop out of college. Um, what habits, techniques, or rituals do you implement in your everyday life to, um, to get where you're, where you want to go? Um, well, I, well, thank you. First of all, I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Um, second of all, it's, I'm a, I'm a very religious man, actually. Uh, prayer is a large part of my life. Um, asking, you know, God for guidance and, uh, understanding my role and what I should do and stuff like that. Um, so I, I do find a lot of my guidance through God and through Mm -hmm. my religion. Um, that is one of my, you know, one of my cycles, one of my rituals mm-hmm. to try and understand the Bible more and how he speaks to me directly. Um, but a, a lot of the, the sort of technical rituals are, um, I, I sort of, I try to make everything, um, I try to make everything I do able to break down into smaller pieces. And so what I mean, and, and this is something I've had in my head for quite a while. And what I mean by that is, building a process to create something greater than itself. Right. So um, like the, the marketing stuff that we've been working on before I sort of took the reins on that, it was just conversations that we were having, having every once in a while, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and not really focusing on. And when I turned it into a scheduled meeting with a task list board Mm -hmm. and, you know, spreadsheets and stuff like that, and actually, uh, took out the time to take small chunks of it out, um, we were able to create a much more efficient way of marketing and understanding how people want uh, the product to be. So I think that that's definitely a large ritual of my my work process and also so my, kind of my private enjoy, life. Enjoy applying order to disorder. Yeah, exactly. And, and not just for the sake of it not being messy, Mm-hmm. Um, but so that, you know, people got to understand things in small little bite-sized pieces sometimes, including myself. And that's totally okay. And, um, I like to, you know, if, if I'm having a day with a thousand different things, I write everything on a sticky note and I just go, okay, this is what I'm going to do in this order. And I can take a break here, here, and here. It, it becomes incredibly necessary. And sometimes I don't have the motivation to do it, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I struggle with depression, of course. And, you know, I have a lot to deal with mentally as well as on top of the job I have. Um, mm-hmm. But just the idea that I have to continue uh, based on my motivations helps me apply those rules in my life. I like that answer. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, so I guess a more kind of fun, less serious question, or it could be serious. You know, some people take their stuff seriously. Uh, what are some like your favorite books or podcasts? Okay. Well, uh, I really like, you know, Harry two Potter. separate questions. So <laughs> books, then podcasts. I like Harry Potter a lot. I gotta say, mm-hmm. um, one of my all time favorite books other than the Bible is the Tao Te Ching. Um, are you guys familiar with the Tao Te Ching? It's like Taoist principles, right? It's yeah. Like- it's, um, it's the, the book that was uh, written that Taoism is based off of that mm-hmm. has a lot of different ideas about returning to nature and stuff like that. And um, I like to study, or I did like to study when I had the time, different philosophies and understand different mm-hmm. ways of thinking. Um, I think it's a pretty cool book to learn that from. Uh, it's pretty cool. How, how about you guys? What are your favorite books? 
Bro, we put out the books podcast. <laughs> you put out the books <laughs> podcast? Uh-huh. Uh, no, we made an episode like two last week, two we'll, weeks ago. We'll give so you one each. Um, <laughs> one that I actually left out of the uh, books podcast is a book called The Third Door. Um, okay. It's uh, lit, written by a guy named Alex Van Ayen. Hmm. Um, he's like 25 or something. But basically, he um, was in his freshman dorm room at USC, and he set out to interview like the most uh, impressive people in the world. Uh, he wrote down on a list of paper like Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Lady Gaga, like yeah. all these names. Um, and the story is about him getting to those people, but it's really like a coming of age because he has to like drop out of college and do all these things. Yeah. But um, he ends up, you know, fulfilling his mission and meeting these people. But what he takes away from it is that in life, basically, you can think about life like a, a nightclub. The, the um, first door is where the line's wrapped around the block, and that's where everybody waits to get in. The second door is um, where the rich, the aristocratic, and the noble go in. Um, yeah. And then the third door is where you, like, beat on a window, scream at the top of your lungs, and, like, find a crack in the back of the building to get yeah. in. Um, and... That's what he says he's found in common among all of these really impressive people. Hmm. Um, so, like, um, Steven Spielberg spent three months, like, in a bathroom at 21st Century Fox in L.A. And that's how he uh, became the youngest director of all time. Wow. I didn't okay. know that. Plus a few extra steps. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, there are always stories like that of of the subject doing something absolutely insane to yeah. to get to it and for you that story would be the i'm going to be your senior developer in one month and then doing it mm-hmm. you know that's yeah. a, that, that would be an example of taking the third door yeah uh, I, I was just lucky to have the balls to do that you know <laughs> yeah. yeah but um that, that book I, I read it all in one sitting i love it i bet it sounds like a good read man mm-hmm. yeah. i should read that kyle you, you just sold me <laughs> how about you lewis so i read a ton and i have a hard time saying like a one favorite book so i'm just gonna go with a topical book uh which is anti-fragile by nasim taleb uh i'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not if you're nodding like you might be but i don't know might be uh, who knows uh okay well i don't know uh it's it's a book four in a five book series that's kind of a little bit of everything so this guy was a former former trader like pit trader just on the floor yelling at people like very very like literally trading and yelling and fast talking. And he made a ton of money in the eighties and nineties uh, to the point in which he was like financially independent very early in his life. And he kind of just became a writer, thinker, philosopher, world traveler kind of guy who just sat on a lot of books and a lot of time and wrote all of his ideas down. Uh, and then he also became an academic after he was successful yeah. in the real world. So he kind of had that, like, I can do what I want academic approach instead of being that this is my career. And if I mess up, I'm going to lose my job, That's which nice. is, I think it's a much healthier approach to academia is if you're in the position where you're successful first, then you can approach it kind of not fearful of what people are going to say and caring about approval. So you're actually more open to thinking creatively and pushing the boundaries, which is what this guy really is mm. uh, known for. One of his quotes is, you know, if I could relive my life and do one thing differently, it would be I'd be even more stubborn and like disagreeable than I already was. Uh, just kind of like I would just trust myself, trust my instincts, not put up with stuff I don't like. So he's like a very 
uh, counterintuitive, not counterintuitive, but very like one of the more contrarian people, except he's not that contrarian anymore because he's gotten so popular that it's popular to adopt his beliefs, which kind of makes it redundant. Yeah. But an anyway, this book is about positioning yourself uh, or situations in which you're positioned to benefit from uncertain or bad situations. Uh, so his whole philosophy system is built upon probability because that's what he chose to study at a really high level is nice. advanced probability at like a very high level. And the thesis is that randomness, variability are the expected, right? We Chaos is the norm, not order. Mm -hmm. And how do you position yourself to benefit from the natural disorder of the world? So how do you make when bad things happen, how do you allow that to actually be a benefit for you or at least to not... Not like where you want bad things to happen, but you're prepared for them in a way where you actually have some angles in which you'll be better off for them. So it's a very, uh, the book's called Anti-Fragile because it's the opposite of being fragile. It's yeah. a lot of people live their lives in a way where if bad things happen, that shuts them down. You know, they lose their job and that's the end of things or what, one bad event can like disrupt everything for them. Like a trader makes one bad trade, they go bust kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, how do you structure yourself in the most possible ways to given that the universe is inherently in unpredictable and random, how do you structure your life in a way to That's benefit from all those things? That's and he just goes through like, it's seven books. Anti-Fragile is like, it's broken down into seven sub books. Yeah. And the one's like, how do you, you know, it does it in the economic perspective, the health perspective, the kind of personal life perspective, mm -hmm. like, and how to structure different examples in which you can position yourself to be yeah. better off. Yeah. disorder uh, so it's a great book that, that's pretty cool i mean I'll, I'll definitely check it out randomness is actually um a concept in computing that is talked about uh and debated over wildly um mm -hmm. because we can't reproduce it mm -hmm. we're completely unable to um in the computing world uh when you try to make something random in a computer what you do is you take the current time down to the millisecond and the nanosecond and then you put it through an equation um, that generates a seemingly random number because that time changes um, faster than we can compute it twice, right? Um, and so that number isn't actually random. It's based off of what's occurring right now. Um, but just because of the fact that we have no idea how to um, actually accurately uh, create randomization, that uh, the concept actually flows into video games and stuff like that, where mm -hmm. events are seemingly random, but they're not. They're always predictable. They're seeded. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so that that's pretty cool. The, that's funny yeah. because the first book in uh, that series that he's talking about is one that I'm reading right now, and it's called Fooled by Randomness. Oh, huh, there you go. The, the hidden role that chance plays. Mm -hmm. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. In everyday life and the markets. So it's a really good series, and that's kind of the underlying theme throughout all of the books is randomness, bad things will happen, uh, the world's not predictable. How do you benefit from that? <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> so that's kind of super into that and want to deep dive on it in the future as we understand it more ourselves. Cool. Uh, so this is a question I had written down on my list of potential questions to ask. And I think based on our conversation, it could be interesting is you kind of brought up, you know, you get bored and once you think that you max out a field or at least learn what you think is practical to learn from it, you want to move on and, tackle new problems but the question is what is something a skill or a craft that you'd actually like to pursue mastery in yeah kind of reach that lifelong striving to be even better and better i guess programming meta could be an answer just like technology at large but i don't know if that's a cop-out answer or not so well <laughs> pass the question to you i mean um the 
the way I see the technology that I do is it's the, it's the, the tool which I use to create things that I want to make, right? Like an mm -hmm. e-commerce site or um, I don't know if you guys have seen nachospin.com. I shut it down recently, but it was literally just a nacho on a website going in a circle. That was we your website? That. Yeah, that was me. See, there you go. Yeah, I've I guess Kyle's that. familiar with Nacho That's Spin. Weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I built that uh, like last. What kind year. of traffic did you get to that? Oh, wow. oh, I got I got pretty good traffic. A lot of people went on. <laughs> did you have like a, a banner ad on there? Uh, I took it off. A little. <laughs> that was. Uh, dude that's crazy that's hilarious it's, yeah it's funny right Whatever that's got to go in the show notes for sure yeah. that, was, that was a big deal back in the day oh yeah um but i yeah i took it down because i don't want to pay for the dns anymore uh -huh. uh, nachospin.com but it, it's kind of funny but um sorry, what were we talking about oh mastering technology is kind of how how you build things yeah technology is the way in which um i have chosen to create things. That's that's the way I see it. Um, and I can use it to benefit uh, me in different ways. I think past just technology, um, I do want to perfect the process of running a business um, that allows growth uh, for growth's sake within the context of technology. Um, because there's so many companies that are profit margin oriented, stuff like that, that don't have a sector that allows them to grow. Um, like take um like uh, you know obviously take tesla they've been losing mm -hmm. money since they started as a company but they're selling uh some thirty thousand units you know um all the time and you, you see tesla's on the road all the time that company doesn't make any money because it was founded on the principle we're not here to make a profit that is secondary to our primary goal which is to better society and so mm -hmm. i want to perfect the ability to create that sort of uh, infrastructure in a company where it's focusing on engineering for engineering and humanity's sake rather than just a profit margin. I think, I think that, that. Um, I think Tesla, the idea behind Tesla is like a multi-tiered interplanetary, um, like that conglomerates all of Elon's companies. Oh, it's the unifying vision. Yeah, or whatever exactly. You want to call it. Yeah. It, yeah, that's, that's crazy. It's, it's like to better humanity, but it's also to better humanity on a scale that like I can't even comprehend. I'm a big Elon Musk guy, so. Oh yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love the dude. Yeah. You read his uh, biography? Actually, I've not, but it's I wrote a book. Yeah, My, I need the to. Ashley Vance one. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, I read that. It's, I liked it a lot. It's pretty nice. I read, it like I read a while ago. I read quite a bit of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it was written in 2014, so there's definitely some additions needed. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. For sure. Ah, uh, because that man's busy. Gets a lot done. Yeah, he does a lot of crazy shit, man. Yeah. A lot oh, yeah. of crazy shit. He, he's building, he's building, a, yeah, Neuralink blows my mind. Holy. Yeah. That's funny you said that because that was going to, uh, that was my next question. Yeah, go ahead. So let's go into this. The question is, uh, what fact or concept amazes you every time you think of it? So you can start with Neuralink and explain why that blows your mind. And then if you have another answer uh, to add to it, because that's a fun question I well, like to ask. Um, okay. So... The reason Neuralink kind of freaks me out um, is because of the implications that it would allow, right? The, the idea, the basic idea of Neuralink is you use your brain to control basic commands in a computer, right? Um, and just, you know, using brain waves or whatever. You've seen the like Jedi force with your mind toys that they sell at Target. It's like that, mm -hmm. but for computers. Now, 
um, there are there is a there is a wide array of different protocols that allow computers to interact to, with each other without talking to humans, right? And the only difference in being that computer is that a human has to write code for those computers to interact with each other. So if theoretically Neuralink bridged the gap between humans and having to write code to communicate with other computers, we would then not just be commu communicating with each other, we would also be communicating with different APIs, like posting on Instagram directly with your brain. For Mm -hmm. That's insane. And I think to me, the even more crazy thing is the reverse of that is being able to download information in, directly into your brain. Because like in their um, keynote that they did, I think it was yeah. probably like six months ago, they had a um, like a, a um, wireframe basically of what an app would look like on an iPhone. And it was like download skills like that was one of the um one of the <laughs> line insane. items like you can download how to to like any programming language you wanted to into your brain yeah. I, I mean that is the basic concept of computing right the basic concept is that we built this version of our brain in a, box. A, gen a general purpose machine yeah exactly that's what we are and uh that's what automatons are um and uh Sorry, what was it called? The thing that broke the codes uh, to fight the Nazis? Oh, the code breaker or the Enigma? Yeah, or yeah, Enigma, the first actual like computing machine that was generic, mm -hmm. right? Um, and now that we're reverse engineering our brains in such a new way, that's fucking crazy. That's mm -hmm. insane. Because we, we can't, as humans, we built, so God created us in the image of him in the Bible we created computers in the image of us and computers can now create artificial intelligence using their own intelligence. And so it becomes mm -hmm. this layered system. And once you connect our brains directly with that thing that we built, that just, that just starts to get crazy because it's not the internet of things anymore. Now it's the, it's the internet, internet of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's wild. That's a bit of a mind blower for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's a little black mirror ish. A little bit, just a little bit. I mean, the implications are at least. That's it's good one show. step further than Google Glass, of course. <laughs> you know, I love Glass. I love Google Glass, but <laughs> have you ever used one? I have two. You have two? Yeah, I've never used one. No, dude, they're 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 like fun. You know, um, the mm -hmm. the operating system's outdated, uh, so I don't like wear them around. But they're like hackable and stuff, so you can just add whatever you want to them. But That's pretty fun. fun. Uh, okay, Kyle, do you have a question or otherwise I got, I think just one more here. Uh, I guess you kind of went into like a what's next for you mm -hmm. type thing. Uh, cause what's next is this company and making it from product to business, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that's next, next kind of five years specific things that you're trying to accomplish? Well, um, I do. And, want... it, does, and it could be completely off topic of anything we talked about. It doesn't have to just be. You know Adam's tech career. Well, I want to be. There... I want to ride horses, and I no. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, no. Oh. I, we, um... I was gonna say we have some. We have some contacts for that. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet. Um, <laughs> My, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My girlfriend I... is a is a horseback rider. She, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, I actually have a, a pretty uh, a fake amount of knowledge in my brain about it. Got I, it. I, I could fake talk about it for a little while. 
That's sure. great. Mm-hmm. I love it. You did this morning with my mom. That went well. Yeah. <laughs> I fake talk about technology all the time. So okay. <laughs> hopefully not right now. Hopefully no, not. No, right no, now. no. I'm just making up shit. It's okay. Yeah. Um, it's like I know enough. You know, that's the purpose of my of me getting a CS degree is just to be able to bullshit detect from. Yeah. There you go. Are, you're a CS major, right, Lewis? Yeah. Wow. What what languages are you learning, by the way? Just curious. Uh, so first semester they do C, second semester C plus plus. Yeah third semester java and then this semester c plus plus again uh, and then i'll get into the 300 400s 500s next year are you in like cs302 yet like data structures and stuff well at my school it's 201 and that's what i'm in right now got it okay well, yeah yeah i i tested through a few of those that's that's just why i asked the professors yeah. that you and are interesting um but talking about uh sort of my goals for the future um with Lavelle, I feel like I've created something great. Um, and we have a business idea and it's going to work. I have confidence in that. My problem is, is that I didn't think of it. So mm-hmm. um, in the future, I want to start uh, my own independent company where we practice engineering for the sake of engineering things that are good. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I want to just grow based off of that and just continue creating different things. Um, that are, you know, originally sourced from my brain that I actually have the resources to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I got a few good ideas, so uh, I can't say them right now. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Well, of course, he... patented, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. But yeah, so I think uh, so. Why wouldn't you just on that say no? If if the goal is engineering for the sake of engineering to do good engineering, mm-hmm. I feel like a educational institution would be like well suited to that purpose. Um, not no. as a student, not you as a student, <laughs> but you as like, or as like creating a educational institution where, yeah, yeah. but it could be like for profit, you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things where you make something here, we get a piece of it. Well, Steve, but... Steve Wozniak already did something like that. Actually. Um, he built a, an online uh, course just to learn coding. That's completely free um, mm-hmm. because he believes in that anybody can become an engineer, same sort of philosophy there. Um, there, there is definitely a lot of resources existing and I've looked at them and they're actually pretty good out there right now. I just sent my dad one today cause I want him to learn how to code too, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I've thought about, um, educating, um, and I've talked to professors about that actually before, but the, the only major problem with educating in a sort of professional, uh, area is that you need like a master's degree mm-hmm. and I don't care to spend my money on a yeah. piece of paper like that personally yeah. you know but um as a quick side note because yeah. i can't believe i didn't say this earlier in the third door he interviews steve wozniak there you go he's yeah. a cool guy <laughs> <laughs> no relation right uh no but we so my family's actually met both steve jobs and steve wozniak uh, how's that it because <laughs> So my, my brother, John worked at PF Chang's uh, mm-hmm. for the longest time in the world. And he was actually waiting Steve Wozniak and he met him and said, hi, and got a business card from him. Um, and so I down the road had his personal email. Um, and so I sent him an email and I just said, I could marry your daughter and she wouldn't have to change her last name. And we, you know, we talked about, <laughs> is, I thought it was pretty cool. We talked about, uh, you know, the Waz movie that came out um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that a little bit, you know, nothing really crazy. Um, 
And my father and the same brother met Steve Jobs at a preview of, um, I think it was Toy Story because okay. uh, maybe it was um, Monsters, Inc., but there was a preview that Pixar had out. And I don't know if you know this, but Steve Jobs owned mm -hmm. Pixar mm -hmm. and Steve Jobs was in the back watching the preview. And so uh, nobody recognized him except for my father who then went up to him and inter introduced my brother and talked to him a little bit, which I think is pretty cool. So that's awesome. That's yeah. an amazing story. Yeah. It's kind of cool. You know, rubbing elbows with him. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that more or less wraps up the majority of what we want to cover. Uh, Adam, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you, collaborate, or just see what you're talking about and what kind of shenanigans you're getting into? Uh, well, you know, you can, you can always view my LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter, Adam E. Wozniak, most stuff. Uh, I'm all over, man. You just got to look up my name. Are you the only one or top result most of the time? I, yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm pretty sure. You eliminated the uh, the others. I, uh, I try. <laughs> Wozniak's hate them. a pretty common name. Yeah. There you go. I'm, I'm the first result, and the tweet says, Ants is a ripoff of a bug's life. That's my, that's my last tweet. So There you go. <laughs> Is that, was that a recent tweet? Yeah, that was my last tweet. <laughs> was that like, when was that? Like yesterday. And why is answer rip off of a bug's life? I, I just, I was just thinking, I was like, well, it came out right after kind of the same concept. Yeah. Stirring it up. Yeah. Just garbage but... ideas. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time to do this interview. I'm really excited to look at uh, Lavelle a little more after this and see if you know maybe I got some stuff I should be selling yeah uh, because I want to support y'all and it sounds like a great idea so I wish you the best of luck with both acquiring users and having them like the product and getting some funding and we'll stay in touch man thanks for coming on cool. Kyle you got anything to say real quick or We're good. wrap it up alright well all right. thank you all for listening to this episode of the Lewis and Kyle show if you want to support the show the best way to do so is by going on iTunes and leaving a review and if you want to follow us on social media you can find us at Lewis Kyle show or by searching the Lewis and Kyle show so thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time <laughs>